Hello and welcome to this week's online service. My name's Andy and I'm part of the staff team here and I'm bringing to you our sixth word in our Words of Hope series, spirit. I wonder if you've ever had a brilliant idea and thought you were onto something, to a new invention, to only discover that someone else had already had that idea and made that invention. You wouldn't be the first person. Many people have had great ideas that were initially dismissed, not accepted, before they were embraced. Examples of this include the light bulb, the invention of a car, an aircraft and the telephone. As we think about the word spirit, we shouldn't jump just straight to Acts chapter 2 when we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the early believers. The Holy Spirit has always been. And what I'd like to do today is to trace some of the story of the Holy Spirit through the Bible before leaving us with some takeaways. Thankfully, I've got some brilliant pictures that were painted a number of years ago by Linda in our church. So when we're talking about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, we are talking about one of the Trinity. We're talking about God himself, God's eternal Spirit, who has always been, and the fingerprints of the Holy Spirit are all over the big story of the Bible, all over the story of God's people. The Holy Spirit is described as God's presence and is something that as God's people we absolutely treasure. So, in the beginning, we read of the Spirit hovering over the water in Genesis 1, verse 2, present and active in creation. We read of Adam and Eve being with God, but following their rebellion, being banished from the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3, 23. They enjoyed God's presence, but they were no longer able to stay in God's presence. But that's not the end of the story. In the Old Testament, we see God's commitment to his people, and we see signs of the Spirit of God among and with his people. Like when his people were delivered from slavery and led out of Egypt towards the Promised Land. How was it that they were guided? Exodus 13, verse 21 tells us, by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. The fire and the cloud, a sign of the Spirit of God. Note the presence of God, the Spirit of God was with them, but he wasn't in them. While still in the desert, God instructed Moses and his people to build a tabernacle. We can read about that in Exodus 26, a massive tent where God would dwell by his spirit or where God would tabernacle among his people. He sent his spirit to equip Belzalel, Exodus 31, for this special task. He was a gifted artist. Special shout out to the artist at the moment going through a hard time in the crisis we're in. The large tent would have several layers the innermost layer was especially revered and contained the Ark of the Covenant and was only to be entered by the high priest on special occasions. God was with his people, but his presence was not accessible to all. And to enter, sacrifice was required beforehand. In the story of God's people, 
leaders like David were anointed by the Spirit. And promises were made of a greater one to come who would be anointed by the Spirit. A similar pattern was set up when Solomon built a permanent place of dwelling for God among his people in the promised land and in the special city, Jerusalem, the temple. The details of this glorious building can be read in 1 Kings chapter 6, 7 and 8. And we can read Solomon's prayer of dedication when this amazing temple was opened. Part of it says this, But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. You give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy. Lord my God, hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. May your eyes be open towards this temple night and day. This place of which you said, my name shall be there so that you'll hear the prayer your servant prays towards this place. Hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray towards this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. This dwelling place of the Spirit of God was so special to God's people. People would travel from miles and miles to come to this special place, well, at least to the outer courts, because it was only the Levites who were allowed towards the middle. In fact, in the Holy of Holies, similar to what we said about the tabernacle, it was only the high priest who was able to go on special occasions, like the Day of Atonement. God's presence was so revered that some historians record that when the high priest made his annual visit into the Holy of Holies, there was a rope put around his leg to stay attached, in case he, an unholy man, was struck down by the holy presence of God, the Holy Spirit of God. Just like for Adam and Eve, because of their sin, God's people could not come in. So God was with his people in his spirit in the temple, but he was not accessible to all. This was not the closeness that Adam and Eve enjoyed. Now, spirit is a word that helps us to understand the New Testament and the current age that we live in. And so when Jesus arrives, we read in John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word tabernacled is used. Jesus, the word, tabernacled among his people, among us, among ordinary people. God's presence come in the form of Jesus. Not only that, but the Spirit descended on Jesus in his baptism and then led him into the desert. As Jesus sets out his mission statement in Luke chapter 4, using words from Isaiah, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight of the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Jesus uses the language of the prophet Isaiah to make clear that he is the promised anointed one. And the results of the freedom that he brings are made clear when he dies on the cross. The curtain that separated the Holy of Holies in the temple was torn down as Jesus died on the cross. It rips 
into this huge, thick, gigantic curtain representing separation from God's spirit rips in two as Jesus gives his life on the cross. And as a favourite children's book of mine says, God's wonderful place is open again. Because Jesus died, we can go in. The barrier to God's presence was down, is down, and we can now enjoy God's presence personally. We can enjoy God's spirit personally and anywhere because Jesus has opened the way by dying on the cross. More than that, as we move through the story to Pentecost, when God's spirit was poured out on the early believers and they were filled with boldness, they spoke in different languages and they see God do great things. It says tongues of, something like tongues of fire was on their head. We learn that God is not just the God who's with his people, but in the New Testament, that he lives in his people. He tabernacles, dwells in his people. As we read the book of Acts, this is clearly not just a one-off event for the first believers. We read of new Christians all over the place being filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul writes in Ephesians 5 about not getting drunk on wine, but being filled with the Holy Spirit. He uses a present continuous tense then, as in be filled and go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. At breakfast time each day, I have a drink. It gives me life, it gives me what I need. But I don't just say, okay, that's it for the day. I go on taking a drink during the, during the day to give me all that I need. And in a similar way, in Ephesians 5, Paul is saying to the believers, go on being filled with the Spirit of God. The Spirit now is for all. Not just to externally anoint us for a task, like Bezalel doing an amazing job making the temple, or David in his role as king. But it's for each and every one of us, and it lives within us. God, by his Spirit, lives among his people, both individually and collectively which is why Paul talks about God's people as the temple of God this is God's dwelling place us his people this is an encouragement for us as we haven't been able to gather like we normally do there's also something special we can say about us gathering together we can take encouragement that God is with us anywhere anywhere in every home watching in today but there's also something special that we've enjoyed for those of us that have been back in the building recently. Jesus said in Matthew 18, For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. There's been all sorts of restrictions as we've gathered together back in person, many people. We've had about 250 people come to one of our Sunday gatherings in recent weeks. But one thing that many people have said is they've sensed God's presence as we've been together. And if you're able to, we'd love to encourage you to come and be with us for one of the Sundays in November. We've opened up all the bookings for November. There's details on our website. And we want to make it possible for anyone who would like to, to come and be together. Part of being together is that as God's temple, we can enjoy his presence together. For the early Christians, this idea of the Holy Spirit, of God's Spirit, was not just an academic exercise but was something they experienced, something they lived. Finally, as we look ahead, as we look forward, the Bible talks about there being a day when we will dwell with God more fully. 
Not sure if you ever wonder, is this really God's spirit I sense? Was that really God's spirit talking to me? Well, there will be a day when it will be far clearer, where God will dwell fully with his people. In the new creation that John writes about in Revelation, he talks about God's presence being unmissable. Revelation 21 verse 3 says, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. What a story. The story of the Spirit of God. And what a place we find ourselves in as well. In the New Testament where God promises to dwell not just with his people but in his people. Not just in a place but among his people who become the temple of God themselves. I want to leave you with three takeaway thoughts as we think about this theme of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit. The first is that we can know the Holy Spirit and we can go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. As I prepared this message, my prayer is that it might stir up a hunger for you again to want to be able to say, Lord, come and fill me with your Spirit. Where I am today, in my house, on my front line, this work, as I'm together with other believers, maybe, in whatever setting you find yourself in, that this message might stir up a hunger for you to recognise again and say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. I want to go on being filled with the spirit. The second takeaway is to grow in and continue to ask for the gifts of the spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 are just two places that outline and describe some of the gifts that the same spirit gives for the common good. One of the gifts mentioned is the gift of tongues. Now I've been challenged recently about some of the gifts that I've been given lying dormant. When I talk about tongues, I'm not talking about it in the sense of speaking another language or something used in collective worship that might be interpreted, valuable gifts as they are, but the private language of tongues, a prayer language, if you like, something I've received and found really helpful over the years. Now, having been away from a collective worship environment, I just realised a few weeks ago that I hadn't prayed in tongues for months, something that's really helpful for me, and I was challenged. I wonder if there's spiritual gifts that you've received that in this time of not meeting together have been lying dormant. The gift of faith and that, what that can bring to other people. The gift of encouragement. The gift of prophecy. There's all sorts of gifts you can read about. That might be something to discuss in your small group if your group is meeting this week. Second takeaway then. We can continue to grow and ask for the gifts of the Spirit. And the third takeaway is that we can ask God's spirit to transform us. Our aim as a church is to commit to and become more like Jesus. Now the one who helps us become more like Jesus is the spirit, the spirit who lives inside us, the spirit who produces fruit that helps us to become more like Jesus. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 talk about the fruit of the spirit, but the fruit of the spirit is love joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. We all need the help of the Holy Spirit as we aim to become more like Jesus. Three takeaways then. Let us be encouraged that the Spirit is with us and ask again to be filled with the Spirit. Let us go on growing in the gifts of the Spirit and asking to receive them 
And let's ask the Holy Spirit to continue to transform us to be more like God's Son, Jesus Christ. I hope you found this message helpful and stirring. I'd love to pray as we finish. Do join with me at home as we pray. Father God, we thank you that because Jesus died on the cross, we can know you not just with us, but we can know your spirit inside us. Thank you, Jesus, that you rose again. And the same spirit that rose you from the, de from, from the dead lives in us. We pray your spirit this week would fill us day by day. Help us to enjoy and practice the gifts of the spirit for the common good. And we pray, Holy Spirit, please continue to transform us to become more like your son. For particular areas we're struggling in, please help us by your spirit this week. Amen.